We've been looking over the last weeks at this uh, second letter of Paul as it's in our Bible to Corinthians, but by now you know it's actually the fourth letter. It's a very personal letter from the Apostle Paul. We've seen his struggles with the church and with himself. We've seen him try to put things into perspective. Remember, we talked last week about, well, a couple weeks ago, about this treasure in jars of clay, this glory of Jesus Christ in this this jar of clay. It's one way of trying to put an image on the crises that he was facing. And last week, we talked about uh, the fact that God is reconciling the world to himself in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. Remember, again, it's not God that needs to be reconciled. It's we that need to be reconciled uh, to God. And now we're coming to the end of the letter. This will be the last Sunday on 2 Corinthians. And um, Paul remains and maybe even gets a little more personal than he has in this whole letter. He's open, he's honest, he's authentic, he's vulnerable. And he uses the word I all the time. And um, hopefully you've picked up from me in the last few years how important I'm beginning to think that this idea of us as community is. We're in this web of belonging. We, 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 We must be together. We are connected. My well-being is connected to your well-being. Unless there's freedom and justice for you, there's no freedom and justice for anybody. There's this this web in which we all find ourselves. And I think it's really important that we that we stress that. But Paul's not doing that here particularly. This is a very I, singular first person I um, in these um, in these in these last verses. And it's it's not then that we can't apply it to ourselves, but this is I just want to stand still by the fact that this is a very personal, personal thing. This is this is someone in in, in crisis, someone in distress, someone with worries, someone with sorrow, someone with concerns, someone who's tired, someone who's maybe a little depressed, someone who doesn't know what the future is going to be like. And this is Paul. It's, 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 it's very, very personal. And so I'd like to read, uh, there's, a, there's a bunch that I could read, um, but I'd like to read from uh, chapter 12, the first uh, 10 verses. Yeah. I have it wrong in my notes, but that doesn't matter. Uh, 12, uh, um, uh, chapter 12 of Second Corinthians verse 1. And again, as always, every Sunday we've been jumping into his argument, jumping into the middle of his thought. It's just, again, too complex in the time that we have to go into it uh, as much as we might like to. So we're, we're breaking into his thoughts at 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1. He says, I must go on boasting. And he's been boasting about um, all of the hardship. Right at the end of chapter 11, he's been boasting about all the hardships that he's gone through. He's kind of priding, not priding himself, but he's saying, you know, I've really, I've really had a tough time uh, in this life. I must go on boasting. Though it, there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. 
I know a man in Christ, and there's a lot of scholarly discussion about this, but most scholars think that Paul is referring to himself here, just kind of not a little bit embarrassed to mention his name, but between the lines, you can read that it's Paul. A man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. I have right to boast. Um, I just lost my place. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." And I'll just point out that that word content, I am content, is actually uh, has the implication of delight in. I, I somehow rejoice or delight in. In uh, it's not a resignation. It's a this is this is this is happening, and I there's there's a way in, in which I delight in that. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And notice that Paul acknowledges both his weaknesses and his strengths. I think if we were not to look at this text, and uh, a lot of Christians know this text for when, I'm, when I'm, uh, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong, we tend to have this idea that Paul's saying, when I'm weak, then Christ is strong. But that's not what Paul says. He says, when I am weak, I am strong. He's literally talking about himself and how he stands in life, in, in life how, he, how he processes the things that are happening to him, how he, how he acts, how he speaks, how he writes. This, this, is, this is about Paul. He doesn't take himself out of the picture. Paul is right there, just who he is. Now, certainly he acknowledges the work of Jesus in him just a little earlier. He says that there's the power of Christ that rests on me. 
And we heard, we heard again, we were reminded again about the jars of clay thing with this glory of Christ in this jars of clay. So it's not that he's distancing himself from the Christ who lives in him, but he's not erasing himself from the picture. And somehow that has struck me. That Paul, in this probably most, most vulnerable of his letters, is not being like super spiritual and, and, and distancing himself from himself. He's right there in all of his weaknesses and all of his strengths. And how does that work? How, how do you have this combination of weakness and strength? And I've been thinking about that a lot, especially this week and, and over, the, over the last years of my life. And um, I have some thoughts about it, some thoughts that I want to share with you, but I'll admit that they're my thoughts, so you can, you can take them for what you think they're worth. And I'm in no way suggesting that I'm anything like Paul at all, but I do have a number of years of ministry experience and some of the things that Paul experienced, I've never been stoned or shipwrecked. But some of the other things that he mentions, I'm familiar with. And I've been reading books for a while, and I've especially been observing others. And I've been getting some spiritual guidance and some direction over the years. So here's a couple of thoughts about this whole this whole thing about Weakness and strength, really two of them. One is that we really need to acknowledge our weaknesses. Just need to recognize that we're weak. It's terribly hard for us. We don't really want to look at our weaknesses. We certainly generally don't want others to see them. We refuse to look. We're afraid to look. We're afraid to have others see them. And so we isolate ourselves from others. And we end up in these individual cells floating around. We have contact with others. But we never really are vulnerable or truthful or authentic as we relate to others. We never let others see our weaknesses. I think it's really important that we do that. Especially right now. We as Trinity Church are in a moment of weakness. Who wants to close a church? Who wants to acknowledge that in all of the years of shoe leather on these sidewalks and energy and money spent on facilities and on vacation Bible schools and on teaching and on training, on salaries, on building maintenance, on having experts come in and give us advice and try to help us move forward and grow. 
that this is where we are. That's, I mean, from that, from the world's perspective, we're not a success. And even to make it personal, who in the world wants to conclude their ministry on the note of closing a church? No one does, and I don't. It's just the weakness that we find ourselves in. And how painful is it to acknowledge the evil that happened on this road 48 years ago, to acknowledge character flaws, even sins, failures of our community and of individuals. And Paul is asking us to do that, to to look those things in the eye. To see them, to say them, to acknowledge them. When I am weak. But, of course, you can't do that if you're not firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. Because if you expose your weaknesses just on your own by yourself, that's, that's like fatal. We just can't do it. In the animal world, animals spend a huge amount of energy and are created in such a way that a whole focus of their life is, is to not show any weakness so they don't get eaten by the, by the next biggest guy. That's built in us, too. You are not going to be willing to expose your weakness or to talk about it or look at it or see it unless you are sure that you have solid ground to stand on. It's one of the biggest problems in marriages. Why am I not vulnerable with my spouse or partner? Well, because I don't trust that if I'm going to be vulnerable, I'm not going to get hurt. It was Jesus Christ who, simply by by becoming a man, became weak. Remember what Philippians 2 said, he was God Almighty. And he emptied himself of that glory and power and took on flesh and became obedient. He deliberately took on weakness even to death in the cross. And in that moment of supreme weakness, hanging there between heaven and earth, naked, what did he do? He could not do that on his own. So he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The only way we as a congregation and me as an individual, are going to be able to get through the next period of time with any redemptive power at all, is if we're willing to admit our weaknesses and go to Christ with them and realize that in spite of our weaknesses, whatever they are, 
Nothing in this universe can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No sin, no death, no pain, no sorrow, no closing, no losing, no failure. None of that can separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Savior. So Paul acknowledges his weakness. And then he says, in that weakness, I am strong. And again, he's not saying some spiritual thing like I'm weak and then and Jesus is floating around. And Paul is looking at himself and saying, here I am. And I have strengths and I have gifts and I have abilities and I can do things. And I have things in which to boast. And obviously we can say that about our own community. Devotion to Jesus over the decades. All the shoe leather that's on the sidewalks here. All the work that's been done. All the outreach. All the energy all the phone calls, all the hospital visits, all the little free pantry, and go right on down the list for 70 years. These are things that we, that you, have done over the last years and over the last decade, decades. And we look back on that, and we rejoice in that strength. Some of you will remember Arnold and Lorraine Kress. We're here for many years. Uh, used to be missionaries to Japan. I don't know how many years they were here. Fifteen, something, something like something like that. And uh, I'm not going to go into all the details, but one Sunday morning, uh, he came here with his wife, and um, and our prayer time, some of you were here, our prayer time, he stood up and confessed a sin that he'd committed against his wife that week. And I still remember all of this congregation, some of you remember that, Bill, I see you remember it, coming up here and standing around him and praying for him and for his wife, and just uh, flooding him with love and support and acceptance. The perfect example of the weakness, the being willing to say in the congregation here, this is what I did. And the congregation saying, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ as shown through us. It doesn't matter what it is. Come up here. Let's pray for you. And even as we face what happened with the whole Zanstra thing this week, well, before I tell what happened this week, I've already said this, I think, to many of you. Since that news broke, I've had the personal commitment to not shy away from it, but hopefully appropriately and in the right place to say, yes, it happened. 
Evil happened to our community, and it came from this community here. It did. We're not shying away from that. That's our weakness. And so I was talking with a young lady this week on the telephone. She's not from this area. Uh, she's around 40 years old, and I've, I've no, I don't know her real well. I know her a little bit, and I know that she has, a couple of decades ago, uh, some history of abuse in her past. So I was a little bit hesitant as to whether, whether I should tell her the story and exactly how, but I thought, okay, um, there, were, there were reasons for me to tell her the story. So I did, and you know what she said to me? She said, the way you told this has been healing to me. It's this week, after, when the abuse happened decades ago. The way you told it has been healing to me. And that's a strength, a conscious choice to face the weakness and to deal with it and to be honest about it and put it in the light so that the, the grace of God and the, and the love of Jesus can, can, can be there. And then it becomes a healing thing. So as we move as Trinity Church toward completion, we want to we, we we look at our weaknesses, say, yep, this is, this is who we are, this is what happened, this is the story. Always rooted in the work of Jesus Christ, always knowing that nothing, not any failure of ours or weakness or thing we didn't do, can separate us from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. Nothing. And at the same time, get energy from our strengths. And that's a mystery. We talked about it, I think, a week or two ago. This, well, last week, the seed in the ground is the same principle. Seed that goes in the ground and dies and then grows up and produces whatever fruit is embedded in that seed. So as we go through these next weeks, I want to encourage you to be open and honest with yourself, with each other, us as a community, and to share our weaknesses, and to share our strengths, and do that all in the, from the perspective of, of Jesus Christ, who did the same thing, and who has the power to turn what seems bitter and seems sorrowful and seems like a huge loss into fruit for his kingdom in our individual lives as well as our lives as community and wherever we end up in the next whatever period of time we have.